0: What I love about today is that I get to share and I'm not trying to squeeze it into the text um, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna let the text squeeze it out of us this morning and what I mean by that is that sometimes preachers can try to come up with a clever idea and then try to work hard to get the scripture to say whatever that clever idea is. And that's not necessarily bad, you know, if your idea is biblical. <laughs> but it's better when the text just kind of bleeds it out in its own words to you. And the idea of this series, and I hope you follow up with us next week and you're here with us, but the idea is simply this, that under pressure and in hard times and in the most difficult of times, our faith can deflate or inflate. Our faith either wilts under pressure or in pressure and in hard times, or our faith actually becomes what we say it is. It becomes a place to stay, and it becomes something that we can anchor in, and it becomes something sure and strong that allows us to survive the hard times, to endure through the storm, and to make it through the dark night, and to come out of the most difficult places. And so when I say that today, the message is going to Be so personal, I believe, and so powerful and so specific for somebody today that in about five minutes, one of you is going to be sure that somebody sent me an email about your life and you're going to start suspecting family and friends. And you're going to start going, you know, who knows him? Who could get word to him? You know, who told him? How did he find out about where I am right now? Um, No one even knows what I'm dealing with right now but me and God. So um, maybe God just told him and he's looking at my direction right now. And, you know, he, he might, if he looks like it, just call me out any minute now and I'm going to have to come down to the altar. <laughs> I don't know who you are, but I guarantee you that there's going to be a moment just like that. And you're going to sense that God has got you locked in his view this morning. Amen. And he's going he's gonna to offer you the greatest possibility that you have ever heard or you can ever hear in your life today. He's going to offer to do something for you that you have somehow decided cannot be done in your life. And he's going to work a miracle in your life. And for that to happen, you don't have to have the greatest faith in all the world. Did you know that? You don't have to have walked through the door today going, God's going to do something amazing today. God's going to do a miracle today. God's going to meet me today and blow my mind today. All you need is a grain of sand faith today smaller than that microscopic faith a tiny seed of faith can move a mountain and all you're gonna need is that tiny capacity to just believe in what God is saying today and I believe that you're gonna find it so today's message is simply this even though I have fallen I will rise I will rise amen now if, if you've never fallen You can just give a little nod right now. That's a good message, Pastor Sean, that's beautiful. If you think that, you know, when I say I have fallen, means that when you lied when you were seven years old about whether you stole the chewing gum from the grocery store or not, you're gonna give me a little nod today and go, oh, that's a good message, preach that message, Pastor Sean. (laughs) But if you have gotten yourself in a predicament, a series, a pattern, habits developed, and you started down a road that you thought you could manage, but the road ended up managing you and you thought, there are things that I'll never do. There are decisions that I will never make and there are places that I will never go. But yet inch by inch and day by day and centimeter by centimeter, the landscape started to shift and change. Maybe so subtly that you, you didn't even see it. So someone else did and they tried to say to you, hey, your landscape is changing. And you said, I'm good. And they said, well, your circumstances are starting to look troubling. They're starting to point some things out in your life. and You said, well, I've got everything under control. I can manage it. I'm still okay. That's what we like to do, right? But at the end of the day, you're not okay. And anybody know what I'm talking about? You don't, I don't need a show of hands today, but yeah. So, so we're not talking about, I know you took a paper clip from the bank. I'm not talking about that. We're talking about people that are down, way down deep in a chasm of disappointment. Maybe you disappointed you you've disappointed everybody else Um, you've ended up in a river and you're going downstream at a fast rate and I want you to know that God has got a message for you today and it's this by faith even a tiny bit of faith in Jesus Christ today you're gonna rise no matter how far or how hard you have fallen so the message today is you're gonna rise so you're like well you don't know my story I hate it when pastors do that anybody feeling that right now listen i'm I'm just trying to be faithful to share what god put on my heart today but maybe you've rolled in here and you're like one thing i don't like about preachers is when they stand up and they start talking like they know what everybody's doing and how people are living (laughs) and listen i'm telling you i don't need i don't need to know your story and you don't need to worry about whether or not you're going to qualify for this talk today Um, You don't need to spend time right now in your mind believing the enemy any longer is what I'm trying to say this morning. Because the enemy has a simple one-two punch. A simple one-two punch plan. And his plan is simply this. Punch number one is you need it, you need it. And punch number two is you're an idiot. That's what he does. He says, you need it, you're an idiot. You need it, you're an idiot. So anybody feeling that? I mean, punch number one is this. Punch number one is if you do this, It's going to feel good. It's going to be amazing. You deserve it. You should have it. You should try it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. It's going to fill something in your life that nothing else has filled up. It's going to do something for you that nothing else has done. Um, This is what you should do. No one's going to find out. It's just one time. It's just a little step. You should try it. You should do it. You should go for it. That's what you deserve. You need it. You earned it. You deserve it. Hey, everybody else is falling apart. Why don't you just try this? So that's punch number 1. You need it. And then that's the right hand, but the left hook after you try it is man, you're an idiot. <laughs> that's what he does. What kind of a Christian are you? You're a Christian? You're the dumbest Christian I've ever met. This is what the enemy does. How could how could you even think about doing something like that? What a miserable, colossal failure. Don't even get your hopes up, don't even think about it. God is done with you, you don't have a chance, you'll never get back. Isn't that crazy? So you're, you're, you're like the commercial that we all had burned into our psyche for a decade, of watching senior citizens helplessly fallen in their homes and they said, I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> so they, were really in, they weren't really interested in what happened, they are just trying to sell you the little button that you can push, right? And people bought them. And people are still buying them. But the worst part of it is when we make a colossal mistake or a bad decision because it comes with consequence. And then the enemy who's got us in there with some little dazzling thing comes on by and we get so focused on how dazzling it was that we missed the fact that it had a giant hook in it. And then his left hook that takes us out is that you can't get up. Not you. You've fallen and you can't get back up so you're going to live life just managing with failure but it feels like you just can't get back up and so god is saying to you today even though i have fallen say it with me i will rise sound good sounds great so it sounds better when you read it right out of the text found in the minor prophet of micah chapter 7 we're going to be in verse 8 talking about the nation of israel So to give you some context today, the Old Testament prophet is speaking, like all the Old Testament of the people of God, and uh, see that God had a people that he was trying to show his faithfulness to. Why? So that he could show us how he leads people through life. Uh, The rhythm of their life was like the rhythm of your life. God would bless them. Even in their foolishness, he would forgive them. And then he would raise them up. They would return to him with shouts of praise. And then they would get distracted and do something dumb again, right? And they would fall into pits and problems again. And God would have mercy on them. And he would raise them up. And then they would praise him. And the cycle just went on and on through time. And these prophets would come along to challenge the people. But they would also come along to, to offer the people promise and hope because God had a plan. And can we just grab onto that today? Can we just grab onto that? God's working a plan in this room today. So in the middle of our failures and in the middle of how far down we have fallen, God is not absent in the equation. Can I get an amen? But he is working to plan the day and you're in the plan today. So Micah was speaking these words for him hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. And this is what it says in verse eight do not gloat over me my enemy exclamation point punctuation is important right do not gloat over me my enemy this is the left hook this is Satan standing over you today um barreling down on you with condemnation accusation trying to identify identify you by your failure so that's you know he's pointing his finger that's who you are that's who you will always be from this point on that is your your psyche and your persona and your history and your identity it's failure that's who you're gonna be look at you look how far you've fallen look at what a mess it made and look at all the consequences that have fallen all the fallout from around this and what's happened. And you're not gonna get up and so Micah comes in Comes right in with some defiant faith, even in a difficult moment, and he says, Here's what we're gonna be able to say today. Don't gloat over me, my enemy. Exclamation point. And here's why, though. Even though I have fallen, say it with me, I will rise. And we just say it with a little defiance this morning, with a little bit of gusto. Let's try it again. I will rise. Even though I have fallen, I will rise. No qualification here on when you fell or how you fell, the circumstance, the collateral, the fallout. Even though I have fallen, I will rise. And then he amplifies it to just give it all the grit that it needs. And he says, though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. And this has been the story from the very beginning. I've been thinking about this message and thinking about all the people um, that this word is going to come to today, and all the crazy circumstances, and really just thinking about the tragedy that every possible scenario that you can think about could almost be represented, represented in the gatherings that we're having here in this room today. And somebody has got to be thinking, because the enemy's left hook is, you know, too far, bro, you've gone too far, not this time, ma'am, never again for you. Those are the lies that he's speaking into your mind. And somehow you've taken that on and you've you've onboarded that reality. And I just want to blow that up with you today, okay? And say that it doesn't matter what you've done or how far you've fallen today, you're not excluded from this promise. And the reason I know that is because this is our story. This is our story. And I, I went back to double check because I was pretty sure that between Chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Genesis, and we all know chapter 3 of Genesis is a train wreck. If you've been uh, reading through the scripture, it's the, it's, it's the worst case scenario of God doing the very best for people and then people doing the very worst with the opportunity and the choices that they had. So in this text, between chapter 2 and chapter 3, the header in a lot of Bibles says something like this. It says, the fall. This is, I, I grabbed a screenshot from mine um it says the fall Uh, the great fall for some of you or the fall of mankind depending on the the paraphrase or the translation that you're looking at so our story begins with the beautiful god and quickly comes to the next scene of our story which is the fall of humanity and I, i take you back to chapter three today so that you can eradicate the struggle of wondering if you've done too much to be the exception to the rule because you didn't walk with god in the cool of day Or, you know, you didn't wake up the very first time you woke up with Almighty God breathing his life into your nostrils. Um, You know, and you didn't have a perfect life with a perfect wife in paradise where you were naked and not ashamed. They were in paradise. And even in paradise, Adam and Eve blew it. They fell hard. (coughs) They fell so hard that the consequence of the choices that they made have resulted in the cancer that's in your family today. And so that has resulted in the divorce that your parents went through. That's resulted in the racial hatred that fills the world today. That's resulted in seemingly innocent people being stabbed on a street. All of that is collateral of their decision. And if it weren't their decision, it could have been my decision. All of that is the collateral of fallen humanity. So when we say, even though I have fallen, I will rise. And you're saying, well, I don't know if that can happen to me. it can happen to you all right because all of humanity has fallen but hello we are standing today to celebrate and worship a God who has brought us back to life again amen and so he's given us the gift of grace and forgiveness today and he's put life into us today so it's possible that humanity can rise even after something as colossal as the fall and it's possible that you can rise today even after something as tragic as how you have lived and, and where you find yourself today. So this is our story. It was a story in the garden, and it's our story today. And when we come back to Micah, we see how it all plays out. So how can I rise today is the question. I'm interested in this, and I'd like to know if I can make it back to the land of living again, right? So I, I would like to know if, if those three words can be a definer of my life. I will rise. How is this possible for me? A few things. Number one, it's possible when you understand the decisions that you made are not just about you and the consequences that you're trying to manage today. To say it more simply, if you're taking notes, it's possible when you realize that you've sinned against God. It's possible when you realize that you've sinned against God. See, what we do in life is when we fall, is we manage. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We, we start managing things. We start, we start calling people real quick. We uh, start creating stories real fast. We try to mitigate things and manage situations and outcomes. And our thinking is, who do I need to apologize to? How long do I need to apologize so that we can move on? You know, Who do I need to talk to and how long do I need to talk to them so that we can move ahead? What do I need to fix and how much is it going to cost me so I can move on? Are we all good? Are you good? Are you good? Are you good? Are you good? Because I'm good and we're all good now. Can we move on? This is the way that we typically view the decisions that we make. And yes, there's consequences on a human level to all of our decisions, starting with us and the people who love us and the people around us, people who might not even know us. But the major consequence of every foolish decision we've made is that we have offended the god who made us and gave us the ability to know him and follow him in life and rarely do you meet with somebody who when they fall they say man i really messed up this time i, I really jacked all this up this time and i've broken god's heart and i'm so sad about it rarely like one in ten million times do you hear that what you hear normally is, well, I've got to fix this. I've got to get her back. I've got to get him back. I've got to get them back. I've got to save this and hang on to that. And how do we do this? And can you help me? And I don't know if there's even a chance for me. But you rarely hear, wow, I've, I've somehow offended my God and my creator, my maker, the one who gave me life and breath in the first place. And what Micah is saying is until we get that, we can't move free. We can't rise up into what God wants to do in our lives. So let's look, look how he unpacks this in the next verse. It says, because I have sinned against him. Because I've sinned against him. Yes, that meant there was some fallout, but the sin was against my God. Therefore, second thing you've got to understand is that you've got to own it. I will bear the Lord's wrath. And I know this isn't a very popular teaching. I'm thinking that the title is probably not gonna sell a lot of books. You know, I bear his wrath, 75 devotions for hope, right? <laughs> but hear me, God is a lover of people. God is a lover of people and you're never gonna meet anyone who will extend more grace to you than him. You'll never meet somebody more patient than him. You'll, you'll never meet someone who will more readily leave the 99 and come for you but you cannot diminish the fact that he is righteous and in his righteousness, there is judgment. So we all want it when it's somebody else. But when it's us, we've got to own it when it's us. Because I have sinned against the Lord, I will bear the Lord's wrath. In other words, those choices didn't just mess up the situation, those choices put me in a decision, uh, put me in a place of opposition to a holy God. And I've got to own that. And if I could just be clear for just one moment, because I have to give an account to God for this role that I'm in today, um, if you don't get that little idea, you can't be saved. And if, if you, you can't be saved, you can't experience all of God that, has, that he has promised for you. So you have to ask God to help you get, get that idea. So becoming a Christian, becoming born again, becoming saved, all the things that we talk about are predicated on an idea that God is holy and we are not. And so, just so you know, he's not looking to punish people and put them out of his, out of their misery. That's not his game. He's looking to forgive in his patience, to give them grace and mercy. But if they don't want that, then by the natural way of things, the righteousness and the holiness of God get poured out on them in wrath. Not because he's an angry or a mean God, because he's a righteous and he's a holy God. And if you don't understand that, then you'd Really what it comes down to is you don't need a savior. Jesus becomes just another nice guy. You don't really need to get on your knees and repent of your sin. You don't need to confess. You don't need a change of heart. You don't need any of that. And this is just another little add-on to the Boy Scout banner. You know, I've got another badge on here. But listen, fullness of life comes when we own our choices. And Micah got that. So he's offering us this phenomenal hope But then he says, you've got to understand how this rolls out because I've sinned against him. Number one, number one thing, I'm going to bear the Lord's wrath. Number two thing, I've got to own that. But then this next word is the killer word in this text. It says, until, until he, the Lord, pleads my case and upholds my case, he will bring me out into the light and I will see his righteousness. So if I can just give a mental picture here, it looks something like this. In the day of Micah, in our day today, you're down in a hole. It could be honestly decisions others have made and you're down, you've fallen, or it could be your choices and you've fallen, you've taken a lot of people down with you. And over here is this legal system that's going on and something's going to be educated over here. And you have a shot, maybe, not a big shot, but a shot over there and there's a stack of cases there's a stack of cases and a stack of cases and a stack of cases and a stack of cases 50,000 miles down that way the cases are still stacked up and somewhere in there is your case and it's it's the legal system and if you're waiting and and somehow they haven't gotten to your case yet They haven't gotten to your hearing yet. They haven't gotten to your arbitration yet, to your mediation yet. The results haven't come and you're in that waiting game until your case gets heard. Until somebody can stand in the gap for me and mediate for me. And so that's what Micah is saying. He says, I've sinned against the Lord and right now all of God's wrath is coming but there is this little seed of faith in me based on what I've understood about the story of God Since Genesis 3, when God made skins from animals and covered the shame of Adam and Eve, that was just the beginning and a twinkling of a story that was going to unfold, namely, the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And I've got a little belief in that. So even though I've fallen, and even though I've only got wrath coming right now, somewhere in there, my case is waiting to be heard, and I'm just counting on that moment. So here's the most amazing thing to me today, praise God for it. Micah was waiting for what we have already seen and understood. He was hoping for what we have already witnessed. And he was just foretelling a promise people that we actually are living 2,000 years after the fulfillment of that promise so we're not waiting for our case to be heard this morning we're looking back and celebrating that our case was heard amen we're not waiting for god to make a decision about whether we can rise again or not we are standing in the reality that god has made a decision about whether we can rise again or not we are standing in the fullness of that today and so that's what paul was writing in ephesians chapter two he just spells it out as clearly as he can he says as for you You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the rulers of the kingdom of this air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, come on, let's say that together. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. That's how we got in the predicament. And here is the result. After we did that, like the rest... We were, by nature, or the result of that, deserving of wrath. But the story doesn't end there. So many people want to conclude the story and say, now we're going to have an invitation. Now we're going to come up to the, to the altar. We're all objects of wrath, hell, fire, damnation. This is our message for the world. Come and get Jesus. But that's not the whole story. Yes, that was our reality. But then there is a phenomenal and an amazing conjunction in our story. The until in Micah 7 is connected to the but in Ephesians chapter 2. The until in Micah 7 where it says until the Lord pleads my case is connected to the conjunction B-U-T that we get in Ephesians chapter 2 because we have the whole story now that is unfolded. So we were all by nature objects of wrath, but that's not where the story ends. If we keep on reading, it it says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. And God did what? Raised us. He raised us. Even though I have fallen, I will rise. How am I going to rise? because someone is going to intervene and through their intervention no matter how far I fall in life and how many times I have fallen in life there's a possibility for me to be lifted up out of whatever I have fallen into by the work and by the person of Jesus Christ and that's our story that's our story this is the message of the gospel of Jesus God takes broken people who have fallen and he raises them up to everlasting life. Any, anybody else watch the Notre Dame Cathedral fire on the news this week? You're kind of watching that. So many historic um, relics, you know, irreplaceable treasures that are just part of the, the national story over there and memories. And it's just a landmark place for, for those who love Paris, right? And I know that that kind of architecture isn't common in churches anymore, but I kind of admire, you know, the steeples and the, the stained glass windows, and the, the aisles, and the red carpet, and the, the steps up front. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, it's just it's something that's just kind of, just, there's, a, the, the, there's something about it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking somebody needs to build the Holy Spirit happening in church with some phenomenal stained glass in it. <laughs> and um, because stained glass doesn't just evoke a memory, it actually tells a story. Um, Here's a picture of some of the beautiful stained glass that was uh, saved in Paris last week. It tells a story and that's the beauty of today. I think we've gotta get a stained glass gospel today because what what is a stained glass gospel? It's that God takes stained glass and I underscore the word stained He takes stained glass and he pieces it together and he makes it something that reflects a story of grace and beauty. This is our message. This is who we are. This is what's on the table today. But to get there, we've got to understand that we sinned against God. Well, I've got to deal with some people, Sean. Well, yes, you do. And the best chance that you've got at doing that is to embrace your relationship with God. You've got to own it. Like completely own it, not offload it. Well, it's because of my parents. It's because of the way that I was brought up. It's because of this genetic thing or that or this or something else. You've got to own it, but then you've got to embrace the fact that someone pleaded your case. Micah says, until he pleads my case and establishes my cause, he will bring me out into the light and I will see his righteousness. When you get ready to preach a message, you read the whole text and you read the whole book and you read chapter one to the end of chapter seven and you step back and you look at it again and you read it all so that you can squeeze it all back down to your text and hopefully kind of really know what's going on in the story, right? And so as I was reading through this chapter, verse 19 really grabbed me. Let me read it for you this morning. It says, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot that's what we're saying don't gloat over me my enemy because yes you seduced me and now you're condemning me and it wasn't your fault it was my fault but you did a really great job of keeping me up for a long time so that you could squash me and stand over me and condemn me and accuse me and try to identify me as a failure that's all I'm ever going to be but I've got news for you don't gloat over me To be the last man standing. Don't gloat over me too fast because I'm going to get connected to a resurrection story and you're not going to be in that story. Don't gloat over me too soon. That's defiant faith. That's not me trying to shift blame. That's just saying, oh, by the way, I'm going to deal with my stuff, but you've got stuff coming too, bro. (laughs) And here's how. Because God's going to tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You've got to realize that your sin was against God and you've got to own it and know that wrath is the right response. And that even though there's gonna be grace in your story today, there's, there's still gonna be a storm, but God's gonna walk through that storm with you. You've got to embrace your advocate today and agree with the finished work of Jesus that he has pleaded your case and established your right hand. He hurled your iniquities into the depths of the sea. So when I read verse 19, immediately my mind went to the Mariana Trench. I Googled it because I needed to brush up on the facts. The Mariana Trench is east of the Philippines and the Pacific Ocean, and it's the deepest place on earth. 36,000 feet deep. 36,000 feet deep in the ocean. The only thing that lives down there is some exoskeleton, low end microorganisms, but it's down there. And the deepest part of the Mariana Trench is called Challenger Deep. And I just immediately had that picture Christ has hurled your iniquity into the depths of the sea. And if you want a reference point for Challenger Deep, just take a look at this picture. If you were to take Mount Everest and you would put it into Challenger Deep, you see that highest triangle, triangle there, the surface, the top of Mount Everest would still be a mile underwater. And yes, we can look at as far as the east is from the west and I love that because you can't measure that. And I always say that when the enemy comes with guilt and shame, you know, tell him to go measure the distance from, from east to west and get back to you. But I also love this picture. Verse 19, he hurled our sin down into the depths of the sea, down into Challenger Deep. So far down that you could put Mount Everest down there and there's still a mile to go down below that. And how did he do it? He didn't do it by throwing them overboard. He did it by going down there with them. Day one, they nailed him on a tree at nine o'clock. Friday, he died at three o'clock in the afternoon on a cross bearing all the wrath, the guilt and the shame and he pleaded your case. So, this is for John. I stand in his place and I take all of his sin And I take all of his decisions and all of his guilt. And I take the shame and I take the blows and I take the punishment and I'll die the death. Father, this one's for John. And Deb, I'll plead her case today. This one's for Ben. I plead his case. Father, I plead his wrong. All his foolish decisions, all the distance that he ran, all the pain that he's caused, I plead his case today I stand here for Emily God, I drink her cup her cup and that's when he pleaded your case day one, it's a three day story they had to hustle to get him off the cross that's why they had to borrow a tomb they barely got his body wrapped when they had to put it in the tomb because day one ended when the sun went down And no one could work on the Sabbath. So you've got to flip your mind upside down to kind of understand the death and life of Jesus. Days didn't start in the morning in this culture, in this time. So days started when the sun went down. It's a three-day story. So day two started Friday, sundown. And the scripture says, Jesus went down into the Mariana Trench, (laughs) down into Challenger Deep, down into Hades, it says. Carrying all your stuff with him. All the way down to Hades, he went Saturday, day two. Ended Saturday at sundown. So Jesus didn't rise from the dead when the woman showed up at the tomb. Understand that he didn't rise right at the peak of Easter sunrise service. You know, singing, because he lives. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure he didn't wait one second past sundown father God to say it's time for three words to become true words that have been spoken and prophesied since the days of Micah though I have fallen for you into Hades down deep into the darkest place it's time now even though Jesus says I have fallen I will rise And you see, you see the, the scene, the picture of the cross, even at Notre Dame after all of the, the fires and everything is, has, has stopped. It, there's, it seems like there's, there's always a story of the cross rising above the rubble. I will rise. And at sundown, at the garden tomb, Jesus Christ came up out of the grave again, alive having triumphed and trodden on guilt and shame and death and all of hell itself. And he's saying to you, come with me and I can lift you out of your challenger deep. Would you stand with me today? And he's calling to you and he's saying, you will walk again. And you will stand on your feet and you will walk with me and you will move forward into the future and you're gonna see the goodness of God in the land of the living you will live and not die and declare what the Lord has done you will be a light and defined by purpose you will be in my story and you're gonna lead other people to me and you're gonna be a story of redemption for my glory and Micah says this can happen to you today even though I have fallen I will rise and even though I sit in darkness right now the Lord will be my light I know I sinned against God and I owned it but I embraced my advocate in the finished work of the cross and then I stepped into the light and God's inviting you to do that today father God thank you for the cross thank you for salvation this morning thank you for rising from the dead from coming back for being here in this place this morning for coming to our rescue for offering us a way of rescue for giving us new life new hope everything that we can find in you healing new life a firm foundation god wisdom holy spirit wisdom to walk through every decision that I make Lord you're a faithful you're a faithful friend God thank you for for being real and alive and present in our lives maybe you're here today this morning you're here on Easter Sunday and there's no mistake that you're here this morning Jesus is calling your name and he wants to have a relationship with you Maybe you're here this morning and you need to resurrender. He said, I've been living my life my own way for too long. And I know what it is to follow after you and I need to come back to you, Jesus. God, even though I've fallen, no matter how far I've fallen, no matter how deep and dark the pit, Lord, I will rise. And it's not in my strength, but it's by yours. So, Father God, I grab onto that today. I grab onto the truth that you are my rescue. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, we just want to give you an opportunity. We don't want to embarrass you. Nobody else is looking but me right now. Would you just raise your hand and say, yes, I want to either surrender my life for the first time this morning or resurrender my life. Put your hand up high in the air. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to give it just a few more times. You can put it down. Does anybody else? Put your hand up in there. We want to pray with you and agree with you this morning. Father God. All right, let's all pray this prayer together. Would you repeat this after me? Father God, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I surrender all that I am to you, God. My life is yours. Thank you for the price that you paid on the cross for me but thank you for rising again and coming to my rescue. I grab a hold of you today. Be the Lord of my life. I follow hard after you with everything that's in me. In your mighty name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate this morning. Thank you, Jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus oh father god uh, we 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 do this because we want to we want to follow hard we want to serve you god we want to see this city come to know you father so for for those of us that already know you this morning god we leave this place this morning with a sense of of passion and, um, and hope lord that you will use us to bring others to you lord we say we love you so much we say we love you so much this is all for your kingdom all for your glory in your mighty name we pray amen and amen